0: I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much.
1: I I mean, the benefits of exercise are so clear and beyond debate. Um, I I think we almost don't have to talk about that anymore. But um, if you view that into a context of how few people actually exercise, it's quite dramatic. So um, I've seen research that suggests that less than 5% of Americans meet the government guidelines for aerobic exercise. And given how how well-founded our understanding is, how beneficial exercise is, is really quite shocking. And then if you ask people why they don't exercise, And that's survey after survey. The number one answer is, I don't have time.
0: Hello, Bettys. Welcome back to another episode of Better with Dr. Stephanie. It's me, your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. And today I'm bringing you a conversation all about cardiorespiratory fitness, VO2 max, speed training, type 2 fibers, zone 2 training, all the goods uh, with co-founder, CEO, and co-founder of The Carol Bike, Ulrich Demfley. We talk about The Carol Bike in this episode. It is one of my most favorite pieces of equipment other than weights. And I wanted to have him on the show to discuss VO2max, how speed is something that we, one of the first things that we lose as we age, even before we lose strength, And we talk about VO2 max, what drives VO2 max, how to partition your time between high and low intensity exercise, we talk about the research around reduced exertion hit training or re-hit, uh, sometimes also referred to as super maximal interval training, which is distinct from high intensity interval training. We talk about moderate intensity exercise, uh, being as good as vigorous intensity exercise, and then how, uh, let's say, a perimenopausal woman might structure her uh, workouts to improve her VO2 max, which is a one of the more important metrics that we look at for longevity. We also talk about the phosphocreatine system, the glycolytic pathway, all of the, uh, all of the juicy, sciency geekiness that you've come to enjoy on the show. And we talk about this in context with the Carol bike as well. So for those of you that are interested in learning more about the Carol bike, you can head over to www.carolbike.com and use the promo code BETTER that's for the podcast name b-e-t-t-e-r and I look forward to hearing about how you love this bike this has been a piece of equipment that I don't normally rave about cardio equipment I'm being honest with you this is a game changer for myself uh for my children my son I talk about this a little bit in the podcast as well uh and for my husband as well so without further delay please enjoy my conversation with Ulrich Dempley. (laughs) I am a huge fan of the bio optimizers magnesium breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next also building recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's dot com forward slash d-r-e-s-t-i-m-a. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best. Ulrich Demple, I am thrilled to welcome you to The Better Podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me
0: I'm so happy to have you here and I actually wanted you on the show because I am very excited. There's there's it's been a while since I've been really excited about a piece of equipment and I wanted to have you on the show to talk about the Carol bike which is um a product that you are the fa- you're the founder of the company and of the product which we're going to talk about um but it takes a lot to get me excited about something, particularly something that's not weight training. Um, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about why, but let's maybe just start by defining uh, the Carol bike. What is it? And then why is it maybe different from, let's say, uh, you know, a, 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 re- a you know, another run of the mill or maybe not run of the mill, but any other type of exercise bike that's on the market.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely. So uh, Carol bike is, the smartest and most effective exercise bike. And it's been scientifically proven to give you double the health and fitness benefits in 90% less time compared to regular, moderate intensity cardio. And it achieves that through simple and AI-personalized workouts that are really suitable for any age and fitness levels. And the workouts, there's a variety of them, but our core workout, can be done in as little as five minutes. So it's incredibly short and incredibly time efficient. And you really only work hard for two 20-second sprints. And that helps you basically develop a sustainable habit for a fitter, healthier you.
0: There's so much. There's so much in there that I want to pack. So I know unpack that. I know everyone that's listening is like, did he say ninety percent less time? And then did he mm-hmm. just say five minutes? And then wait, did he even break that down and say forty seconds, two times twenty seconds sprints? I, I know. I know. When I first, so when I, a member of my team first introduced me to the carol bike and I just, I, w- I couldn't believe it. I was like, there's no way. There's no way that you can get any kind of benefit, uh, two by twenty seconds, and that's it. Uh, and then I was talking to uh, a mutual friend of ours, Dave Asprey, um, about it. And mm. um, I am I am a convert. So first, I, I, before we get into the science of it, I want to just maybe speak to all the type A personalities that are listening, myself included, who think that. Cardio has to hurt, Car- you know, cardio has to be like egregiously long. It has to be 45 minutes, 60 minutes each session. Mm. And I'm not poo-pooing that. I think that, you know, we'll talk about zone two training and we'll talk about zone um, yeah. zone one and two training in a moment. Um, but the limbic resistance, I'll say it that way, like the the amount of friction that you mm. have to overcome to get on the bike for five minutes is much less than the psychological friction, let's say, where you know you're going to be on the stair mill or the bike or the treadmill or whatever for fi- for the next 45 or 50 minutes. Absolutely. So I, I just mm-hmm. want to talk about that. And maybe, maybe you can expand on that as well in terms of feedback that you've heard from Carol bike users, or maybe yourself, or your team, uh, where there is a, uh, I call it limbic resistance, psychological resistance to just getting on the bike for five minutes and kind of punching it out. And then you're done. Like you don't even sweat yeah. most times, like that two by 20 rehit, which we'll define in a moment, like you most times i don't even break a sweat so i don't have to like mm-hmm. shower and you know change right. my clothes yeah. and all of mm-hmm. that so can you speak a little bit about the psychological benefits of such a yeah, short sure, workout sure
1: sure so um i avoided when i introduced the carol bike to say it's an easy workout um it's simple right. it's very short but it's effective because you work for those 2 20 second sprints at maximum intensity so it's really um, super maximal intensity as hard as you can for two 20 second sprints. And that is quite hard, uh, especially in the beginning. You, you get used to it and that makes it a lot easier. And our users, and we see that in our data because it's all connected, uh, manage to uh, create a habit. And now how, what I attribute that to, and there I talk about how it feels to me and like some anecdotal feedback I get back is, um, if you push hard for 20 seconds, the pain really only kicks in in the last like five seconds or so. And by the time you you really exerted yourself and you've, let's, let's call it, you, you feel the pain, um, the sprint is already over. Now, I, I do a range of exercise. I actually quite enjoy exercise. Um, and most weekends I also go for a run, five to 10K run. And because of my nature, my personality, I try to get a decent time. But with a 5K run, I have to push myself every step. And continuously for like um, 20, 25 minutes, I have to push myself every step. So I find that psychologically way harder, way harder than getting on the bike, having a a really short warm-up that's very casual, and then pushing really hard for 20 seconds. As soon as uh, the pain kicks in, it's basically the, the sprint is over. I have a recovery for, for up to three minutes. Another 20 second sprint again. Pain kicks in and it's over. And then I recover for, for three minutes. So I find it a lot easier to do. Um, that may not be the same for everybody, but it's, we, we have a, we have thousands of users for whom it is like that and that makes it an easy habit it's very easy to fit into into your life and it's not we we don't so exercise is good yeah and i love lifting weights um i don't so much love going for a run but i do it still um and monday to friday i do the carol these these sprint trainings um and and that works for me it's um it's become such a habit that I don't have to negotiate with myself to get on the bike. It's like I brush my teeth in the morning, I just get on the bike, it takes me maybe five, six minutes, and I'm done with it. And I've got my cardio workout um, covered for the day. And that's that's just makes it easy, even though I shy away from using that term.
0: Well, it's, I would say that it's simple. It, it's mm-hmm. not easy, Absolutely. right? So yeah, it is, yeah. It is. you know, that super maximal. So for the 20 seconds that you're, that you're sprinting, you are working. It's an all out sprint. It's everything yes. that you've got. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as you said, it, it really is maybe five seconds for you. I would say like seven to nine seconds for me, <laughs> I'm like waiting for it to be over. But yeah. I think that what you're, what you're talking about here and the whole premise psychologically, and I wanted to start with the psychological aspect of yeah. it first, does adhere to the um, uh, tiny habits principles that we hear from BJ Fogg and some of these Mm -hmm. very well-known behavioral psychologists in terms of, and you've said it a couple of times, creating a habit. Because we do, um, you know, if we have to always overcome this limbic resistance and we have to like muster up the motivation to get on the bike for 45 minutes, three times, Mm -hmm. four times, five times a week the likelihood of that behavior being applied over a long delta is very low versus it's just a five minute ride. And then one of the features, we'll talk about it later, but I love it is, you know, you do the first 20 seconds and then you can wait the three minutes if you want. And then you Mm -hmm. can, you can kind of start it, you know, if you're like, okay, I feel like I'm recovered now. Like I kind of want to get back into the next, I want to do the next sprint. It has that little checkered uh, flag Mm -hmm. Flag, thing that you can like, you can like surpass it and then you can like start the sprint at your own um, time. So I think that this is really important for the vast majority of individuals who are trying to start and keep like, it's, you know, it's one thing to start a habit, right? Everyone can start. Mm-hmm. It's the problem. It, like the problem is sort of following through on it and the consistency. So I really love this small little tiny habit where you're not sweating. Like most of the times I don't break a sweat with the, with those re mm-hmm. workouts, Um, and then if I want to have a longer workout, let's say I do that little re-hit and then I'll jump to a zone two for, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll make sure that I get my little speed, uh, speed in there and then I'll jump to a zone two. You can certainly do that if you've planned for it, but you don't need to, right? So that's, I wanted to maybe Mm -hmm. start with that because I think that the psychology around exercise and kind of get, just getting your butt on the bike is like 90%. Of the effort that sort of you know that 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 will yield some of the results in the last ten is you know the two by twenty or you know whatever workout yeah. that you're planning on doing that day. Yeah.
1: That's correct. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean the the benefits of exercise are so clear and beyond debate. Um, I, I think we almost don't have to talk about that anymore. But um, if you view that into a context of how few people actually exercise, it's quite dramatic. So um, I've seen research that suggests that less than 5% of Americans meet the government guidelines for aerobic exercise. And given how, how well-founded our understanding is, how beneficial exercise is, is really quite shocking. And then if you ask people why they don't exercise, and that's survey after survey, the number one answer is I don't have time. Now, there's a debate whether that's an honest answer or not. Um, some people say, no, it's not about time. It's about joy or pleasure or whether, whether laziness. We actually choose to believe people when they say they have no time because the, the competition for time is so intense. There's so many other things you can do with your time, whether it's. Like reels, podcasts, of course, Netflix. There's, there's so many things that compete for your time that people sleep less and like really fundamental things. And so we, we believe giving, um, people a, a really time efficient choice to work out and then to build a habit based on that time efficient workout might actually help people and, and hopefully shift the needle and, uh, and address this inactivity epidemic really
0: and i you know there's a there's a meme that um um i saw not too long ago actually i was prepping for this podcast and i was looking at like cardio memes and it was like would you like to exercise for one hour a day or would you like to be dead for 24 hours a day like which one would you, you know it was like a patient and a doctor having an interaction yeah, yeah. and in the carol you know in carol bikes it's like would you like to exercise for five minutes a day or would you like to be dead for 24 hours a day right yeah. and so i i think that that's important and i'd like to maybe wade into the science a little bit of the carol bike and why the short duration, like what what we're actually talking about here mm-hmm. in terms of conferring a benefit. Uh, you know, you said nine when we sort of opened, you said like 90% less time in this two yeah. by 20. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening there. So we have this supra maximal uh you call them rehit. Maybe we'll just define like the rehit workout. What do we mean mm-hmm. by rehit? Um and then let's talk a little bit about what's happening at the level of the uh, the mitochondria, we can talk a little bit about yeah. t- muscle fiber type, if you'd like, and then um, mm-hmm. we can maybe explain it that way to the
1: listeners. Sure, absolutely. So, rehit—that's um, the name of this core workout protocol um, that stands for reduced exertion, high-intensity interval training. And most people will be familiar with HIT, um, and rehit is just a evolution like the a more advanced version of of hit because hit is clearly very effective but most people find hit uh, actually quite hard to do if you have a, a 25 30 minute session it's also not that time effective not that time efficient and so uh rehit was developed by scientists looking for the minimal effective dose of cardio exercise um and this hasn't been invented by us. We're building, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. There's um, very, um, renowned and, and, um, solid uh, professors around the world and uh, academic centers that have researched that and confirmed that two 20 second sprints is actually sufficient to create a very powerful training stimulus. And if we, if we dive into how what, what the actual mechanism is, what triggers that adaptation? Um, it's, it's really important to keep in mind. You don't get fit during the workout. You get fit in the recovery. So in the workout, you create a training stimulus and you, you want to trigger a response and the response and the adaptation that happens after the workout when you recover and in your rest period. So the, the training really just has to, Create that stimulus. And in rehit, that is achieved through these short maximum intensity sprints. And what happens is your energy demand in those sprints goes up by about uh, a factor of 100 compared to rest. So you have a very steep increase in energy demand. And um, your normal aerobic system um, just can't provide enough energy in the short term to meet that need. Um, so the, the first 10 seconds of the sprint, um, you use what's called your phosphocreatine energy system and you, you utilize that to create ATP and then, um, basically engage your muscles and move and use your muscles. That, de- that's very, very fast, but is depleted after about 10 seconds. And then to continue going, um, you need to tap into your anaerobic um, energy system and burn muscular glycogen. So um, glycogen is a storage form of sugar that's stored in your muscles and in your liver. And to, to meet this immediate severe increase in energy demand, the the body has to mobilize muscular glycogen. And um, here, the important thing is, it's the mobilization of that glycogen that matters. So studies have shown that you mobilize about 25 to 30% of your muscular glycogen in your legs. Now that's a phenomenal amount of energy that could keep you going for a really long time.
0: And that's in the 20, that's in 20 seconds. So we've gone from the phosphocreatine system, which is like the Usain Bolt 100 meter dash, 10, about 10 seconds. Yes. And then the glycolytic system that you're talking about kicks in about 10 seconds later. Um, and then, okay. So, so this is about 20 seconds in total. And then the 25% to 30% of the glycogen that we're utilizing in that glycolytic pathway is from the legs. So
1: we're mobilizing it. We're mobilizing, mobilizing it. Okay. We're, we're actually utilizing, like, burning a, fr- a tiny fraction of that. So the reason why you don't sweat terribly much is because you burn relatively little energy, and the burning of energy increases your body temperature. So, but the as you go into this sprint and you switch on the intensity levels from from one to one hundred, um your body doesn't know whether this is for 20 seconds, or for a minute, or for three minutes, or five minutes. So what we're basically trying to do is simulate an emergency situation, like a fight-or-flight situation, or like where you have to run for your life or fight for your life. And uh, in response to this rapid ramping up of energy demand, the body mobilizes a a lot more glycogen than it actually needs. Um, And glycogen is a relatively big molecule, and, and it just nibbles out uh, of the outer branches of this um, branched polysaccharide. So we we use only very little during the sprint, but and that's really the clever thing about the exercise, about the workout. The signal to the body is triggered by the mobilization, because and here okay, there's there's a little bit of hypothesis, but this is how the leading researchers um, think it works. Um, with the glycogen, with the stored glycogen, there's a, um, a bound molecule called AMPK that gets released as the glycogen gets mobilized. Um, and AMPK, that triggers physiological adaptations afterwards and it uh, releases and activates downstream a further molecule, PGC1-alpha, which is the master regulator for mitochondrial biogenesis. And so these short sprints basically trigger a signaling cascade that tell your body to get fitter and stronger, and for example, develop more and larger mitochondria. And if you think about it just in, like more figuratively, so you you create an emergency situation, you tell your body, like, I'm under threat or under attack. Um, And... I actually can't, um, like, I'm, I'm getting really stressed. That's that's not an un- a comfortable situation. So I, then you, your body wants to adapt and get fitter and stronger to be prepared for such emergencies um, so that it has all the, the energy, the power it needs to, say, run from that tiger or fight for your life. And that's what triggers the physiological response, and that's what makes you fitter and stronger. Um, there's some other things that happen. So... Um, it's, it's basically, it improves oxygen delivery and oxygen consumption. So oxygen consumption is around um, mitochondria and mitochondrial mass and mitochondrial function. And oxygen delivery, that's about um, plasma volume, capillarization of the muscle, um, about uh, peak cardiac flow and how much blood your, your heart can pump in one stroke. And studies have shown that all of that gets improved and increased through those two 20-second sprints.
0: Which is almost too good to be true.
1: Um, It gets more crazy than that. Um, Studies have even shown that if you do more or longer sprints, you don't get additional benefits, but the benefits actually decline. Now, that is really confusing because... For, for most exercise, there's a dose response relationship. And the more in you, in terms do, of
0: oxygen delivery and consumption or what yeah, what's exactly the, what's and, and the, fitness okay. benefit. Yeah.
1: So, um, VO2 max improvement. So, um, what appears to be the case is that two to three, 20 second sprints is the sweet spot. But then if you add more or longer sprints, the VO2 max improvement actually reduces and gets less. And again, this is not fully understood, but what researchers believe to be the case is that um, if you know you have to do like four, six, or 10 sprints, and they are like 30 or 40 seconds, you pace yourself. You don't go all out. You don't go all out. Yeah, yeah. So going all out is really quite hard. And so 20 seconds is, uh, in fact, your your absolute peak power, you can only hold for a fraction of a second, Mm -hmm. and then you fatigue throughout the sprint. But Even psychologically, it seems to be very difficult. If you know, oh, I have to do this like five times, six times, seven times, you just wouldn't go all out. You would would hold back and you would go like 90% or 80%. But the benefits really come from going 100%. And so therefore two to three 20 second sprints seems to be the sweet spot. I
0: am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I want to come back to VO2 max because I think this is a really Mm -hmm. important consideration for everybody at, you know, at any age, but particularly as we get into that third and fourth decade of life, because I don't think that people fully comprehend how much it falls off a cliff if you're not doing anything Mm -hmm. about it. But let's just come back to that for a moment. You mentioned you have this mobilization of glycogen primarily, well, we'll say in the legs, let's say, yeah. Um, and you're only using a fraction of it in order to meet the demand of this super maximal intensity, like this all out sprint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what yeah. happens? What happens to that glycogen then? Does it just get repackaged, put back in the muscle and in the liver from where it came? Like, what happens to mm-hmm. the glycogen mm-hmm. after it's mobilized? So,
1: it gets partly broken down. Uh, a lot gets converted into lactate. And um, uh, then utilized elsewhere in the body, in your metabolic processes. So lactate gets used in the brain a lot, has actually beneficial uh, effects there. And um, while you burn very few calories during the sprint, you actually see um, a quite meaningful uh, afterburn effect. Um, so it's called Excess Post Exercise Oxygen Consumption, EPOC. Um, over the next 90, one and a half to, to three hours after the exercise. So when we, when we measured the calorie consumption from the exercise, uh, it's actually two thirds of the calorie consumption happens in the two hours after you've come off the bike. So therefore, even though you don't sweat and you don't get terribly hot, you do get actually a meaningful uh, amount of calorie burn as well. And that's, that's just the body basically processing through all these um, metabolic half products and waste products afterwards.
0: You know, what's interesting about that is every cardio machine where let's say you've been taught, you know, if you're talking about low intensity steady state, right, where you're just doing Mm lists I've always uh, been taught and feel free to redirect me here. If I'm, if I'm incorrect, that all of the calorie burn happens while you're on the bike, or while you're Mm -hmm. on the elliptical or whatever. And then the minute you step off of it, the calorie burn stops. But this actually sounds like the complete opposite, where you have this really short delta short time on the bike, and then the post the epoch that you're talking about that exercise, that post exercise oxygen um, consumption increases. So you have this increase in caloric burn Mm -hmm. after you get off the bike, which is something that we actually see a lot in resistance training, right? Because you're not, you know, most of the time you're not going all out. It's like maybe 65% of your max heart rate, let's say. Um, but it's the adaptation to yeah. the resistance training over time that actually makes you metabolically healthy, that changes your body composition. And it, the carol bike and this science sounds much more aligned with, maybe the way that resistance training works versus maybe a traditional cardio machine where you're on there for 50 minutes, you're doing, you know, a steady state workout and then you burn, I don't know, whatever you burn, 200 calories, or yeah. whatever it is. And then, and then it just
1: stops once you get off of it. So yes, that's, um that's right. I would add to that, that um so in normal, Moderate intensity cardio, you see a little bit of EPOC as well. So um, the figures I've seen in research was about ten percent of the total ca- calorie consumption from a moderate intensity workout happens after the workout as you recover, but it's it's very modest. With um, rehit and these maximum intensity sprints, about two thirds, sixty-seven percent of the calorie consumption happens after the workout. Uh-huh. And it's not so much that your calorie burn goes up, it's just that the time is so much longer. So it's also a tail that tails off, but the, the sprints are so short that even though that's your peak, the, the area under the curve is much, much uh, smaller than um, in the tail. So you, you have this tail for 90 to um, 270, uh, 180 minutes. Um, and that in total is is just, a greater level of calorie consumption than what happens in the actual ex- exercise. Um, and then the other thing is, yes, absolutely. So the the forces you exert and the power you exert during so these sprint intervals, they are very high and depends on who you are and how how big you are and so on. But we see some very high forces and and they are in fact relevant also for the development of strength. So, um, we see that in our data and there's, um, there's just been, so the experimental phase of that study has been completed. I've had some early slides of the results. Um, Western University, Colorado did a study on the strength benefits and you see, in fact, also a strength improvement, a meaningful strength improvement in leg strength measured in one rep max of your squat, um, with the, this sprint exercise. So, so you, the primary benefits clearly is VO2 max and metabolic health, but you, um, you also see uh, a substantial improvement in upper body and uh, lower body strength, leg strength.
0: Which is fabulous for someone like me who's trying to squat the equivalent of a baby elephant. <laughs> so if you tell me I'm going to increase my strength, I'm going to be on the Carol yes. bike every day. And that was, that was actually my question is, mm-hmm. um, in my onboarding, uh, I was working with one of your, um, I believe they're exercise physiologists, and he was saying to yes. me, you know, the goal for you, you know, and I was telling him some, some of the goals that I had, was that you can actually get on the bike every day. Like the downtime... Mm-hmm. Is uh, is much lower than even let's say resistance training. Like I can't squat every day because I've torn <laughs> up the muscle right. fibers. I have to wait for them to recover, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But one of the nice things that I that I um, that I appreciated was that you can actually do this every single day if you wanted. Um, yeah. And so maybe maybe speak a little bit about the recovery time or you know the you know specifically with rehit, because i know that there's other programs on the bike and which yeah, we'll sure. talk about in a moment but what's the frequency with which someone can be working on their sprints working on their speed and working on the super maximal or this rehit mm. uh program or protocol
1: yeah yeah so uh, one, one thing just to say like our users it's quite a diverse group and we have um while well, well, people might think oh minimal effective dose of exercise and only five minutes workouts that is for people who who don't like workouts or who don't have time. Uh, We we serve that audience as well, and very clearly we have users who just want to do as little as possible, get it done, and and that's fine. Um, But in fact, we have many users who really enjoy exercise and who do a lot of exercise and and just want basically an optimal um, uh, solution for cardio that they can add into their routine. So we We're we're not just for either one or the other camp. Um, Reduced exertion um, hit. Uh, As it says in the name, the the level of exertion is so low that you can do this every day of the week. And in fact, so I don't do it seven days a week, but I do it five days a week usually. Um, I do it Monday to Friday. um, Just... As a habit, I don't have to think about it. Um, and then on the weekend, I do weight training, a longer session, maybe go for a run. Um, but there's, there's nothing that would stop you from doing this every day if you want to. Um, the benefits, however, will also materialize already from doing it three times a week. And that depends a little bit what you're more interested in. If you're, if you're interested just in cardiorespiratory fitness and VO2 max, there are studies that have shown that two times per week is enough. Um, if you're also interested in metabolic health, then the suggestion is, uh, three, three times a week is better and, and maybe even more often. Um, but the, 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 the research has been done with three times a week and has shown very substantial improvement. So just maybe to put some numbers in that. So we, we saw in eight weeks, a VO2 max improvement of around 12%, 12.3%. Um, and a, so the, that's a risk score for developing metabolic diseases. It's called the METZ score. Um, that went down by 62%. Now, both of these changes are very significant they're not subtle at all uh, the the fitness effect you can feel um, very clearly d- an equivalent to that medz score reduction would be taking a medication like metformin so it's those are very substantial physiological changes um, also for lower, Without like,
0: the poisoning of the uh, yeah exactly <laughs> without the exactly. of the mitochondria that happens with metformin, I always laugh. I'm I'm sorry. I I I don't mean to <laughs> interrupt you, but I always just laugh a little bit at some of these like longevity bros that are like, I'm doing everything. I'm taking rapamycin. I'm taking metformin. It's like, why mm. don't you just actually, why don't you just double down on your cardio fitness? Yeah. Like we're all yeah. going to, at some point we're all going to die. Right. So I understand, you know, the, the benefit in increasing the health span. And of course uh, the, the years that you have mm. making them as healthy as you can, but why would you take metformin? I just like, you're yeah. poisoning, you're poisoning your mitochondria. It's crazy, but mm. I digress. I I I digress. That's alright. No, no, no.
1: Yeah. I I do appreciate actually that interjection. Um, I mean, I I do a bunch of things, and um, for for some, I just do them on good faith. Uh, to be honest, I I don't really feel anything. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's taken certain supplements or so, um, it feels like a, a relatively small investment. And if it may be good, then okay. Sure. Um, but. Uh, exercise is really very fundamental, very, very noticeable. It's the opposite of subtle. I mean, the only thing, um, that I think has, a, should I say, better ROI or similar ROI is just sleep. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the difference between having a good night's sleep and not is, is massive and immediate. So very, very noticeable. Still not sure why people don't sleep, but uh, anyway, so that, that is, um, if you talk about hacks i don't know whether sleep can be called a hack but after sleep i think exercise is really the most powerful um most immediate uh, noticeable highest roi investment that you that you could make make into your health and 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 longevity
0: yeah and there's no side effects i mean you know side mm. effects may include better mood better body composition as you were saying increase vo2 max 12% in 8 weeks I wanted to, I wanted to touch on VO2 max. May may I say, I, I I mean,
1: you, I I know you like lifting, right? Um, I love it. I I actually also love lifting. It's, uh, since my teenage boys go to the gym, do it very intensively. Um, and, and they, of of course you can injure yourself and so on. So that does happen. And in fact, I, I, in a recent deadlift, I thought I maybe overdid it a little bit, um, the injury risk on rehit is minimal. So a bike is a very, very safe form of exercise. And we've designed it to be very, very safe. So it is something you can do every day. And there should be really no um negative side effects. So it's a it's a yeah, are simple, easy, safe way of of staying fit and healthy.
0: One more one more feature about the Carol bike that I I wanted to touch on before we before we tuck into VO2 Max is, you know, um Someone listening might say, well, okay, I get it. I need to do these rehit exercises. I need to work on my speed, which is actually, little side note, we'll come back to this. One of the first things that you lose as you age, mm. so we, we often think about sarcopenia, osteopenia, dynapenia, which is fatty infiltration of the muscle, uh, brittle bones, and then loss of strength with dynapenia. But one of the first things we actually lose is speed as our type 2 fibers get trend as we age we tend to see more type 1 like mm-hmm. they we either lose the type 2 fiber entirely uh like use it or lose it kind of principle or we see a conversion of type 2 fibers which are which are our speed fi- you know the fast twitch fibers that you're talking about that are that are engaged in these super hit or pardon me these rehit um um uh, speed drills um we see them being converted to type 1 so we need to be thinking about speed we'll come back to that um but someone listening might be like okay great i get it i need to be doing these re-hit protocols why can't somebody and i'll just play devil's advocate here why do you need the carol bike to do that why do you need a specialized piece of equipment why can't Mm -hmm. you just go out on the street and then run 20 seconds i mean i think i know the answer but why can't you just run for 20 seconds stop for three minutes and then do it again
1: yeah sure sure so um i mean there's really two parts to it um uh, one, maybe just a little anecdote. When we came across first the, the science of rehit, we, we fell in love overnight uh, and went out straight away. The next day we heard about it to buy a regular exercise bike and try to replicate it. And uh, we found that it was, um, very difficult to, to, to get right. Um, sweated like hell and it just felt overall like a very unsatisfying and um very difficult exercise. We contacted the researchers behind Rehit and asked them like what are we doing wrong? How can we how can we um make this actually a as nice as possible experience? And the first thing they told us was well you need a special bike. You need a special bike. Uh, Otherwise now- you're
0: constantly adjusting for the watts like you constantly have to change. You have someone else. You have, you need another person there who's constantly changing the power. Right? That's right. That's yeah. right. So yeah. the
1: research, obviously the research is older than Carol Bike because we, we started after we've heard about the research. Um, in the labs, they have, um, equipment that's first very expensive. It's like fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 and that's operated by a second person. So you need a lab technician to control the resistance for you. And that is, uh, linked to, what, what does it actually take for you to reach your maximum power and your, your maximum intensity? Um, and there are three things that are necessary. One, you need to basically speed up to a really high cadence. So really high pedal speed at a low resistance. So you want to be at, I don't know, 150, 200 RPM, um, at a low resistance. Then your optimal resistance has to be applied and it has to be applied at the right time and instantly. And then you reach your peak power and you fatigue throughout the sprint. And that's the recipe to make this simple and, 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 and reap the benefits that people have demonstrated in the lab. Now, on a normal exercise bike, if you, if you think about it, you pedal at high speed and then you dial in with a knob, the resistance, and you don't know what the right resistance is, and it's not easy to apply it instantly. It's just very, very hard. So maybe if you have a personal trainer by your side or something, you, you can get, you know, so- something that's
0: close to maybe not quite as good. Mm.
1: Possibly. We found it very hard, and uh, certainly that's not how the research was done. And um, because we found it so hard, we developed Carol Bike, spent the last 10 years on optimizing it and really making it a perfect, um, an optimal solution for re Um, and I think that's validated that, um, many of the leading labs now actually do research on our bikes because they're a more affordable and they also don't need a second person next to their subjects. So it's, it's much easier for, um, for them to do their research. Uh, and uh, another feature is that um rather than it being always the same we've developed algorithms that's the ai behind the uh, in the bike that continually personalize and optimize the workout for you um and that means a we can cater for a huge diversity of of different users so from Mm, former Olympic gold medalists and real athletes to um, people like my mother, who's 80 years old and has mobility issues, but who uses the care bike three times per week because we can tailor and optimize the workout for a, a wide range of different kind of abilities and and ages. Uh, and that's that's just something that's hard to find in other equipment.
0: Yeah, Uh, my son also, I'll say, who's a soccer player, so speed is really important to him as well as leg strength. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have him on the carol bike as well. So he's... He's twelve, um, so he's you know in the younger cohort. Yeah. So when he when we're comparing his data versus his peers, mm-hmm. he's always like, "Oh, I'm doing so well," <laughs> you know. Uh, but that like his primary his primary reason for that is he's mm-hmm. like, "I'm going to be in the you know we're in we're in Canada, so he's like, I'm going to be in the MLS, you know, the Major League Soccer yeah. here. Yeah. Maybe the Premier League yeah. one day if he if he's mm-hmm. good enough. But you know, he want, he wants leg strength and he wants speed. Both of those things, um, yeah. Carol yeah. is going to help develop for him. Yeah, Um, exactly. And well, and let's talk about speed. Let's talk about speed a moment because this is something that. I don't think people realize is happening is as we are aging, one of the first Mm -hmm. things that we lose is speed, that conversion that I was either the loss of the type two fiber entirely. So just as a brief review, obviously um, for you, you are aware of this, but type one fibers are the ones that, you know, you're puttering around the house, you're gardening, you're going for a walk. Like they're slow twitch. They're highly oxidative. The type two fibers, which you've already described to some degree are, well, there's two types, type two, a and type two, B. 2B is the one that we're really focusing on here because they're highly glycolytic, right? Like they, mm. when we are uh, superseding the oxygen requirements of the cell, let's say in a sprint uh, on the bike or like some type of burst or explosive movement, it's the type 2B fibers um, that we are engaging with. And as we age, and so this is for mm. the demographic that tends to listen to the show is a woman in perimenopause, so she's like thirty-five to like call it fifty-two-ish. Uh, even you know, I have fifty-five and sixty-five-year-old women that send me messages all the time, who I love. Um, but it's that it's that woman who doesn't realize that over the let's say over the course of her forties, um, mm-hmm. that she's going to be losing uh, speed and power and output at a much higher level than she was. When she Mm -hmm. was twenty, right? Like we don't realize that we lose speed first, and then dynapenia, where we have loss of strength, kind of you know that sort of follows uh, that sort of follows us later on. But speak a little bit about the importance of maintaining speed um, and these type two b fibers, let's say, um, Mm -hmm. as we're as we're aging, and how um, and then how we and what are some things that we can be thinking about in terms of our programming, let's say, with the Carroll bike and others, how we can be how we can be trying to maintain that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you you've covered a lot there already, and it's it's absolutely true. So you lose um, muscle mass um, much uh, at a much slower rate. Then you lose strength. Then you lose speed. So there's um, yeah there's there's basically a hierarchy of how fast you 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 drop your ability and how much um, of your your ability and capacity you lose over time, and this happens um from around when you're 30 and hence one one way to to offset that is to specifically train these types of fibers with sprint exercise and and trying to offset that um yeah decline if you want and uh, trying to to um delay the aging process there as much as we can similar thing also happens with Um, VO2 max. So your aerobic capacity and your ability to, to utilize and burn oxygen. Um, there we also see from age 30 about a a 10% reduction in VO2 max per decade. Um, and so that obviously adds up a lot. And if you, if you think about the, did you say
0: 10% per decade? 10% per decade. Yes. For exactly.
1: Max. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, um, so if you think about what I said earlier, that you can, in only eight weeks, build an increase of 12%. It's like 12 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you so, mean 12 years. Exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't mean you're 12 years younger, but in, uh, certainly in terms of how you feel and, and how you feel, um, I don't know, chasing after a ball or running up the stairs or whatever you do where you need your, your, um, your fitness, um, it's very noticeable. <laughs> feeling twelve years younger and or, or twelve years fitter. I don't want to say twelve years younger. Yeah, maybe twelve years younger in terms of fitness is is very noticeable. It's not subtle. And it doesn't stop there. So you you continue. Um obviously there's we, we don't all in our fifties become Olympic athletes suddenly. Um but, uh, there's, it's a very noticeable improvement. So what the research shows, like eight, eight weeks for about 12%. And then in the next, um, around 12 weeks, you can get up to 20%. And that's, that's very, very significant. I mean, that two is decades. significant. Yeah, yeah. That is exactly. very significant. And VO2 max, um, is probably the most, uh, important physiological marker and, and predictor of future health. So, um, if you, if you had, um, the chance to, to influence any of the, like any, anything about your physiology, f- physiology by, by that level, like VO2 max is, is the most important target that, that you could think of.
0: Yeah. And just for those listening that have never heard this term before, this is just a measure of physical fitness, right? So it's an aggregate yeah. of your cardiovascular work. It's an aggregate of your tra- weight training and, mm-hmm. I would say um, there's been oh gosh so many papers but um written on VO2 max the importance of it as a as a metric to track over time but I would say every paper that I've read on it just points to this idea of all cause mortality all reasons why you might succumb yes. all the mm-hmm. diseases that you might succumb to is inversely proportional to your VO2 maxes. it Absolutely. meaning that the better your VO2 max is uh the fitter you are let's say the lower your chance of dying from mm-hmm. cardiovascular cerebrovascular type 2 you know diseases cardio uh, you know type 2 diabetes cancer all of these different things so vo2 max is something that we definitely want to be paying attention to uh, I'd say all through the life, but I think more people are, you know, in our in our 40s when we're like, oh, actually we are about midlife now. <laughs> you know, we become a little bit more concerned about our health. And so in our 40s, it's like, oh yeah, what, what might my VO2 max um, be? And of course m- my my uh, audience being perimenopausal are dealing with some of the hormonal changes yeah. that kind of come in their 40s and 50s as well. And so the affect and the motivation, you know, is, is, is further... Um, uh, we'll say uh, attenuated when they're trying to sort of overcome yeah. that limbic resistance. Let's say so. Let, let's talk a little bit I about what's so true. What you yes. what
1: you say there, and um, I mean, we, we see that in just when we look at the people who who purchase our product. Um, yeah. It's I, I mean, it's it's not just um, but it, it's it's mainly people um, say from. 35 40 up who start to become health conscious. Yeah. So I think people in their 20s who uh maybe just you know take their health as a given and then want to look as good as possible as uh, and as hench as possible go to the gym, exercise for different reasons or they want to perform as well as possible um in their sport. But they exercise often for a different reason than people my age. Um who who may have had, you know, some some early little wake up calls and and health warnings that their blood pressure was maybe a little bit high or their blood sugar readings were not what they wanted, and and then actually do exercise with a specific purpose, and and that is uh, I think where we can really help and where where the Carol bike is is a wonderful solution and. Maybe just to add, when we talked about the importance of VO2 max and how, how you can feel 10 years, 20 years younger in terms of fitness and how it's, um, inversely correlated to all cause mortality. Sadly, um, and this is true for all type of exercise. Yeah. It's, it's super beneficial when you do it. But unfortunately, you, you also lose the benefits quite quickly. If you don't do it, so you can gain a lot of fitness in eight weeks, but then in another eight weeks, if you if you don't do it, you lose it again, and that means you really have to find something that you can stick to, and that you can continue doing for the long haul, and that fits into your life, and so you know whatever makes you tick, yeah. If if um, uh, music and and celebrity instructors work for you, good, great. But but if that's just a temporary, you know, uh, excitement, then maybe that's not the right thing. And uh, so we feel that having a, a really short and effective workout that you can build a habit out of and you can make a habit out of it is may- maybe a great solution for many people out there.
0: And so when we're talking about, so you were mentioning the study, uh, 12% increase in eight weeks, and then a further, they got up to 20%, I think in the in the following mm-hmm. 12 weeks. Was that protocol just based on rehit, or were they doing some combination of zone two training as well? Because when we think about, and I'll yeah. just define mm-hmm. this for the listener a little bit, you know, VO2 max is basically the gas exchange in the lungs, the pump efficiency, the gas exchange in the muscle bed, right? So you're looking at Air to lungs, lung to blood, blood from the heart and the tissues, oxygen from the blood to the tissues. So what are the, you know, that's kind of what's comprised of like your your your, your uh VO2 max. So when we're when we're looking at improving VO2 max, is it just mm-hmm. as simple as this rehit two to three times a week and we we follow that over eight weeks or 12 weeks or however long? Or is there some uh, other types of training, like zone two training where we're using more of those mm-hmm. type one type 2 A fibers that are more oxidative in in their
1: nature. Yeah, sure. so so there's also there's several things to say about that. Um, first, yes, those studies that I cited were just the rehit protocol three times a week. Wow. Um, so it's very effective and you get a fantastic benefit from doing the just that um, now. Uh, many of those studies are in, uh, made with subjects that are either have a sedentary lifestyle, which is like 95% of Americans, um, or, or who are moderately active. There's, uh, an- another category. If, if you're really like highly trained athlete, um, there's just been less research done with just that because they have usually like much, much more Intensive and comprehensive uh, workout schedules. So it's a bit harder to 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 say definitively what it does to highly trained athletes, uh, but certainly in in the kind of normal population, that is um that's what the research founds and found, and we we have plenty of studies on there, both that were done with Carol bike and that were done with other equipment, um, like these these research um, ergonom Go meters that I referred to earlier. Um, then about zone two training. So uh, that, that's gained a lot of traction. And, um, at this stage, I would say primarily popular traction. So the, the whole concept of zone based training. Um, if you, if you search on that in PubMed, you wouldn't actually find terribly many studies on that. Um, because, uh, Research usually gets done at lactic threshold or ventilatory threshold. And, and so, so if you, if you searched for like robust academic studies on zone two training, you wouldn't find terribly much. Um, but it, it certainly has gotten a lot of traction and, um, we would never advocate against it because we, we think exercise is good. Uh, and now it's just a question um how much time can you can you invest basically into your cardio exercise if you have limited time available then i think the highest roi activity you can do is rehit and do that three times a week if you have more time available yeah then absolutely i would uh, suggest zone two training is a fantastic addition to it and i'm sure it uh, has like um additional stimuli that um go beyond and, and will create further benefits. I have no doubt about that. Um, but if you, you know, if, if you, if you just had time for one thing or you had only 15 minutes per week or so, um, or in fact, you really, really enjoy lifting weights and you just want to get your cardio done as quickly as possible, then rehead would be the first thing I would suggest you do. And then if you want to go beyond and further. Absolutely, do other types of hit or do zone two training. It's a very, it's a great addition to it. And in fact, while while the Carol bike is obviously ultra specialized and optimized for rehit, it, it is actually one of the most versatile bikes on the market because it has a range of different workouts on it, and you can do zone based training absolutely on it. It has special programs for that, and it can also be used with uh, quite a variety of. The largest variety of of third party apps, yeah. Um, so there's a whole there's a whole another community out there of of uh, ambitious amateur cyclist athletes who who love Swift and KinoMap and so on, and who wear their lycra shorts. And you can do that all because we're we're compatible with that ecosystem too. So there's there's really uh, loads of it. And if you if you want to do Peloton classes on it, you with with Peloton Digital works very nicely on our bike too.
0: Love that! I use the Wift. I, I um, I'm a I'm a awesome Zwifter as yeah. well. So no, I will and use from it on time the to time.
1: It's really fun because there's many people on there, yeah. um, and you can tag along to some people and cycle there yeah. through. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like to try uh, to keep up with the French. They're always always <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see a little yes, flag, exactly. someone is French. Exactly, like, oh, exactly. I'll just cycle with them today. Um, <laughs> and if I do t- have time for that, then absolutely, that's also something I enjoy. I don't get that in every week, but every once in a while, yes, absolutely.
0: And one of the other things that I like, so you were talking about some of the different programs on the Carol Bike. Personally, one of the ones that I really like is um, your fat-burning uh, uh-huh. programs. So these are, I'm sure you're like, you're like, yeah, she's a woman. No doubt, no surprise there. But I love it because it's 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, 20 seconds yeah. on, and you're just going and go. It's almost like um it's Tabata mm. style, I guess, but it's not true Tabata. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. it's, it's like one to one. It's a little bit more than one to one, but
1: it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. fabulous. It's, it's, um, eight on, 12 off. And, um, the, the sprints are at uh, So they're, they're linked to your rehit resistance. So mm. we, we basically measure your fitness in the rehit workouts. And then the other protocols, the other sprint protocols are linked to that and also kind of get harder or, or easier depending on your current fitness level. And that's one, I mean, that uh, burns a phenomenal amount of calories on and off the bike. So you, you sweat buckets. You sweat, but bu-
0: that's, there's, you are going to be sweating after that one.
1: Yeah, it is a great workout. Yeah, absolutely, workout. absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. that's, that's not one to skip the shower afterwards. So mm-hmm. you, you it's, it's a different thing. And um here's the thing. So we, I, I said earlier that uh, most of our customers are in the maybe 35 to 65 bracket. Um, and really like 40 to 60. That's, that's kind of our sweet spot. Um, it's, it's 50-50 male-female. So there's not, uh, we're not just for women or just for men. It's, it's pretty much pretty balanced. But the, the, the fat burn, right? That's done predominantly or there's a majority, like that's like 60, 70% of people who do that are actually women. And maybe it's the name or maybe it's, I, I don't know, but, um, I think it speaks a little bit to what are people's motivations when they sure. uh, do the bike, uh, when they buy a bike or, or do workouts on the bike. And it's, it's a great program to burn a ton of calories and have a ton of afterburn. Um, it, it wouldn't be my first. So we, we say the, the baseline should be a two to three rehit rides. And then if, if weight management is. Um, an important goal for you, then you add in one or two or three of those um, into your weekly workout program. So it's, it's it's an add-on to if if weight management is really one of your priorities.
0: Yeah, and I'll say that workout is not a joke. It is it is great. And there's another one. It's just escaping me now. Where it's um I think it's just looking at your FTP. I think it's looking at your yeah. mm-hmm. um your threshold. And I remember. Yeah, uh, that's I, very hard. It was very hard and yeah. there's I was trying to maintain I only got to about 25 minutes uh maybe even less than that it was like 23 24 minutes and I was trying to maintain uh whatever I can't remember what my FTP was at the time mm-hmm. it was like 300 maybe 400 and I just thought I was going to die. Um yeah. but in in the yeah. best way and I say that and I say that in the best way because I think that there is something although we see all the benefits that you're talking about uh, physiologically Mm -hmm. from a metabolic perspective, VO2 max, all that uh, in a short amount of time, I do think one of the things that exercise at least has given me, so maybe this is just my Mm -hmm. own opinion, is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're doing an FTP type of workout it's basically trying to measure like what's your maximum threshold potential that you can sustain over it's supposed to be an hour but you know yeah. I, I i haven't made it to the hour yet i've you know made it to just under 25 minutes and um, that,
1: and that's fine for measuring it so you can do either 20 minutes in one go or two times eight minutes with a break in between so there are several programs on the bike that um quite precisely measure your fdp and then help you with the zone-based training, so that's all built in. But yes, you're absolutely right. The the, the FTP tests going 20 minutes at your limit—that's that's hard. It's that's hard. hard.
0: It's hard. But there's something beautiful about knowing because it's like disproportionately it's not all the, like it's not all 20 minutes are terrible it's like the last 5 minutes are awful <laughs> you know it's like cuz it just sort of like ramps you up right so it's like you're like oh i can do 200 watts oh I, yeah we'll get 250 yeah 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 i can get it yeah, yeah. and then you're at whatever number and you're like Oh my God, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like disproportionately, you know, the last yeah. 10% of the workout is the worst part yeah. of it. Yeah. But I yeah. but I do think that there's some, you know, coming back to the psychology, I know we've been talking about psychology mm. a bit with the bike today. I think that there's something um, really important about no, get knowing that you're gonna be uncomfortable and then mm. getting to the point where you are uncomfortable and then just doing the best with the resources that you have at the time. Like there's something really empowering about mm. saying, yeah, this is gonna be uncomfortable, it's gonna suck. And I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and, and, you know, kind of seeing, kind of seeing where you go and see how that changes over time. So I'm not saying that that's what everyone should do all the time every week. That's not a, I don't even know if you like, what would be your recommendation for an F- FTP ride? Would that be once a week? Would it be once a month? What would
1: you, what would That's, you be uh, that's more, uh, when you're interested, really. I mean, I, I know that there are people who advocate. Going to um, kind of doing VO two max type training where you um, for a sustained period operate at VO two max and reach really your absolute maximum aerobic capacity uh, about once a m- once a month. I do that less often. I do that um, oh, if I do it every quarter, it's it's probably that's that's more realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's it's another. Quite precise meso- measurement of your fitness. Now we do have you with every rehead ride, you get your fitness score, which is, um, which has been modeled to track VO2 max. Um, but with the FTP measurement, you get, you get basically an actual measurement. So it's, it's just another angle. And if you're interested and you really want to quantify your progress, that's a, a very good tool to do that.
0: The algorithm, does it take into account heart rate recovery, like how fast your heart rate recovers mm. and your peak heart rate? Do you, do you sort of uh, – is that in the calculations in the, in that's, the that's
1: exactly what the fitness score does, that it looks um, at w- what's the power you generate in those two 20-second sprints, how high does your heart rate go up, and how fast does it recover. Um, so in, in um, simplified terms, it would be something like power per heartbeat – and as your heart gets stronger, you can push out more power um, with one heartbeat. And then it's there is some more complicated calculation behind it to to make it track as closely as possible your VO two max. So it's it is really something fundamentally different because it's an anaerobic workout and it measures basically your your response and your recovery from an anaerobic workout. But it nevertheless tracks your aerobic capacity, because we've designed it that way. And um, so it's not the same, but it tracks your progress very well.
0: Awesome. So for women who are listening, so we have, you know, primarily, as I've mentioned a few times now, perimenopausal women, what would be an ideal protocol, let's say, if they're like, okay, I know I need to work on my speed. I know I need to train up my VO2 max. What would be something that in in an ideal world, assuming that there's no injuries, they're cleared for exercise, that they can, you know, that mm-hmm. they can do the rehit, let's say, several times a week. What would be what would be a protocol that you might recommend to a woman um, for increasing her VO2 max
1: on the on the bike Yeah, yeah. So, very simple The baseline for everybody is three rehit rides per week, um, and that will help improve your VO2 max very markedly um, in a short period of time. And then it depends a little bit what your further exercise goals are. If weight management is one of your primary considerations, and let's face it, that's that's one reason, like, we want to be fit and healthy, but we also want to be good-looking. Um, and, and weight management is just seems to be important. Then these fat burn rides with kind of more and shorter sprints and where you also sweat a lot, um, add one or two of those in per week. Um, for, uh, and I, I'm basically following as to what, what is proposed there by, by some of the leading voices in the field, really. Uh, If you're, if you're looking for, um, optimal longevity, mitochondrial function, um zone 2 training would be a great thing so uh, maybe then uh, do the 2 to 3 rehit rides per week but also have say uh one or two longer zone 2 sessions um the the suggestion there is to go even 60 to 90 minutes in those so so really have a prolonged um period that um help Train your mitochondria in a different way and and have basically a mitochondrial efficiency through in a longer workout. And then it's, uh, if you, if you want to um, quantify your progress every so often, an FTP test might be a good idea. Uh, and then for, for joy and fun and, and other things, you may throw in the occasional Peloton session or or Swift or Kino Map where you where you can cycle in different uh routes. And then obviously we've we've now only talked about cardio. There's like I would always suggest that people should do um strength training as well. That's that's just part of it. And 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 some level of mobility training. Um but I'm not an expert on those and so I'll that's for others to cover. But um, the, well, bike would help you get the cardio component and to some extent strength uh, and speed for the legs in, in a very, very time-efficient way.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's, that's very similar to how I'm using the Carobike now. So when I do an upper body lift day, um mm-hmm. those are the days that I'm going to do a longer bike ride. So I'll do the, usually the lift happens in the morning and then I can pop on the bike, do my rehit and then maybe I'll do a longer zone 2 when it's an upper body. I don't uh, I don't do uh the zone 2 training on leg day like lower body days. I don't yeah. do it, but I will do the mm-hmm. rehit because it's as you mentioned, it's like two yeah. times 20. It's all out, but I'll put a couple of hours in between the leg the leg training session and then the rehit. I'll do it in the afternoon. Uh, which is when I typically get on the bike is when I get the kids home and then my son sees me. He's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, after you, it's my turn. So then he'll, he'll get on and he'll do his thing as well. Yeah. So I I just wanted to, you know, thank you for your time, your science, your focus state. And, and this is, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, this is, I don't really get excited by cardio, (laughs) you know, like this, my love Mm -hmm. lies in weights. That's just kind Mm -hmm. of my bias. And, Um, the Carol bike has really changed my opinion on it. I really, really, really love, uh, the science behind it. I love how easy it is. The limbic resistance. I don't have to ride the motivation wave to get on the bike. I can always do it. Um, and then I'm also seeing just personally, I'm seeing uh, spillover into my family. So, you know, my son, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, who's playing soccer, um, my, uh, husband who I know has been watching me prepare for our conversation. And, um, I've been talking to him about VO two max and all you know, how it declines and he's like, Oh wow. He's like, and the Carol bike can do all of that. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. So I feel like in some ways I'm like a walking advertisement for this bike, but it's because I'm so excited about the science and the ease of which we can deliver some of these results. So just wanted to thank you for, you know, putting it like making the bike, making it Mm -hmm. available at such an affordable price point. Um, I know um, listeners of better. I don't have the discount code off the top of my head, but it'll be in the show notes. There is um, there is discounts for people who listen to the
1: podcast if they're interested in purchasing it as well. Yeah, exactly. And maybe one thing I might say, because uh, even after we've discussed it now for an hour, people might think, oh, maybe that's too good to be true. Um, so we don't have a, a lot of, no, we don't have showrooms. We, we are in some of the leading biohacking facilities or performance studios like upgrade labs. Um, but w- what we do offer in recognition of that is we offer a, a really industry leading, um, risk free home trial. So when you purchase the bike, you have a hundred days, you have a hundred days to try it. And if it's not for you, you just give it back. We collect it. You get a full refund. Um, and so that's a, a, fairly low risk way of, of trying the bike. Um, we're, we're so confident that you'll love it. And hundred days is definitely enough, um, to, to feel the difference. Um, you know, uh, eight weeks, that's 56 days. You have a lot more than that. So you'll feel the difference. And it's, uh, it, that's, that's the easiest way to experience it.
0: That's very generous. I was not aware of that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. All right. We will make sure that all the details for anyone who's interested in the Carol Bike is in the show notes as well. Uh, Again, Ulrich, thank you so much for your time today. Really, really appreciated having this chat.
1: Yeah. Thank you.